Chapter Twenty Two of Peter Simple. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. Peter Simple by Frederick Marriott. Chapter Twenty Two. Grave Consequences of Gravitation. O'Brien enlists himself as a gendarme and takes charge of me. We are discovered and obliged to run for it the pleasures of a winter bivouac it was not until noon that i awoke when i found that o'brien had covered me more than a foot deep with leaves to protect me from the weather i felt quite warm and comfortable my clothes had dried on me but without giving me cold how very kind of you o'brien said i not a bit peter you have hard work to go through yet and i must take care of you you're but a bud and i'm a full-blown rose so saying he put the spirit flask to his mouth and then handed it to me now peter we must make a start for depend upon it they will scour the country for us but this is a large wood and they may as well attempt to find a needle in a bundle of hay if we once get into the heart of it we set off forcing our way through the thicket for about three hours o'brien looking occasionally at his pocket compass it then was again nearly dark and o'brien proposed a halt we made up a bed of leaves for the night and slept much more comfortably than we had the night before all our bread was wet but as we had no water it was rather a relief the meat we had with us was sufficient for a week once more we laid down and fell fast asleep about five o'clock in the morning i was roused by o'brien who at the same time put his hand gently over my mouth i sat up and perceived a large fire not far from us the philistines are upon us pater said he i have reconnoitred and they are the gendarmes i am fearful of going away as we may stumble upon some more of them i've been thinking what's best before i waked you and it appears to me that we had better get up the tree and lie there at that time we were hidden in a copse of underwood with a large oak in the centre covered with ivy i think so too o'brien shall we go up now or wait a little now to be sure better eaten their prog mount you peter and i'll help you O'Brien shoved me up the tree, and then, waiting a little while to bury our haversacks among the leaves, he followed me. He desired me to remain in a very snug position on the first fork of the tree, while he took another amongst a bunch of ivy on the largest bough. There we remained for about an hour, when day dawned. We observed the gendarmes mustered at the break of day by the corporal, and then they all separated in different directions to scour the wood. We were delighted to perceive this, as we hoped soon to be able to get away. But there was one gendarme who remained. He walked round the tree, looking up into every part. But we were well concealed, and he did not discover us for some time. At last he saw me, and ordered me to come down. I paid no attention to him, as I had no signal from O'Brien. He walked round a little farther until he was directly under the branch on which O'Brien lay. Taking up this position, he had a fairer aim at me, and levelled his musket saying descendez ou je tire still i continued immovable for i knew not what to do i shut my eyes however the musket shortly afterwards was discharged and whether from fear or not i can hardly tell i lost my hold of a sudden and down i came i was stunned with the fall and thought that i must have been wounded and was very much surprised when instead of the gendarme o'brien came up to me and asked whether i was hurt I answered I believed not, and got up on my legs, when I found the gendarme lying on the ground, breathing heavily but insensible. 
when o'brien perceived the gendarme level his musket at me he immediately dropped from the bow right upon his head this occasioned the musket to go off without hitting me and at the same time the weight of o'brien's body from such a height killed the gendarme for he expired before we left him now pater said o'brien this is the most fortunate thing in the world and will take us half through the country but we have no time to lose he then stripped the gendarme who still breathed heavily and dragging him to our bed of leaves covered him up threw off his clothes which he tied up in a bundle and gave to me to carry and put on those of the gendarme i could not help laughing at the metamorphosis and asked o'brien what he intended sure i'm a gendarme bringing with me a prisoner who has escaped when we stopped at night my youth excited a great deal of commiseration especially from the females and in one instance i was offered assistance to escape i consented to it but at the same time informed o'brien of the plan proposed o'brien kept watch i dressed myself and was at the open window when he rushed in seizing me declaring that he would inform the government of the conduct of the parties their confusion and distress was very great they offered o'brien twenty thirty forty napoleons if he would hush it up for they were aware of the penalty and imprisonment o'brien replied that he would not accept any money in compromise of his duty and that after he had given me into the charge of the gendarme of the next post his business was at an end and he must return to flushing where he was stationed i've his sister there replied the hostess who keeps an inn you'll want good quarters and a friendly cup do not denounce us and i'll give you a letter to her which if it does not prove of service you can then return and give the information o'brien consented the letter was delivered and read to him in which the sister was requested by the love she bore to the writer to do all she could for the bearer who had the power of making the whole family miserable but had refused so to do o'brien pocketed the letter filled his brandy flask and saluting all the women left the cabaret dragging me after him with a cord we were following our route avoiding melines which was a fortified town and at the time were in a narrow lane with wide ditches full of water on each side at the turning of a sharp corner we met the gendarme who had supplied o'brien with a map of the town of Givet. good morning comrade said he to o'brien looking earnestly at him whom have we here a young englishman whom i picked up close by escaped from prison where from he will not say but i suspect from Givet. there are two who have escaped from Givet replied he how they escaped no one can imagine but continued he again looking at o'brien avec les brave il n'y a rien d'impossible that is true replied o'brien i have taken one the other cannot be far off you had better look for him i should like to find him replied the gendarme for you know that to retake a runaway prisoner is certain promotion you will be made corporal so much the better replied o'brien adieu mon ami nay i merely come for a walk and will return with you to malines where of course you are bound we shall not get there to-night said o'brien my prisoner is too much fatigued well then we go as far as we can and i will assist you perhaps we may find the second who i understand obtained a map of the fortress by some means or another o'brien observed that the english prisoners were very liberal that he knew that a hundred napoleons were often paid for assistance and he thought that no corporal's rank was equal to a sum that would in france make a man happy and independent for life very true replied the gendarme and let me only look upon that sum and i will guarantee a positive safety out of france then we understand each other replied o'brien 
this boy will give two hundred one half shall be yours if you will assist i will think of it replied the gendarme who then talked about indifferent subjects until we arrived at a small town called akarsho when we proceeded to a cabaret the usual curiosity passed over we were left alone o'brien telling the gendarme that he would expect his reply that night or to-morrow morning the gendarme said to-morrow morning o'brien requesting him to take charge of me he called the woman of the cabaret to show him a room she showed him one or two which he refused as not sufficiently safe for a prisoner the woman laughed at the idea observing what had he to fear from a pauvre enfant like me yet this pauvre enfant escaped from givet replied o'brien these englishmen are devils from their birth the last room showed to o'brien suited him and he chose it the woman not presuming to contradict a gendarme as soon as they came down again o'brien ordered me to bed and went upstairs with me he bolted the door and pulling me to the large chimney we put our heads up and whispered that our conversation could not be heard this man is not to be trusted said o'brien and we must give him the slip i know my way out of the inn and we must return the way we came and then strike off in another direction but will he permit us not if he can help it but i soon shall find out his manoeuvres o'brien then went and stopped the keyhole by hanging his handkerchief across it and stripping himself of his gendarme uniform put on his own clothes then stuffed the blankets and pillows into the gendarme's dress and laid it down on the outside of the bed as if it were a man sleeping in his clothes indeed it was an admirable deception he laid his musket by the side of the image and then did the same to my bed making it appear as if there was a person asleep in it of my size and putting my cap on the pillow now pater we'll see if he is watching us he will wait till he thinks we are asleep the light still remained in the room and about an hour afterwards we heard a noise of one treading on the stairs upon which as agreed we crept under the bed the latch of our door was tried and finding it open which he did not expect the gendarme entered and looking at both beds went away now said i after the gendarme had gone downstairs o'brien ought we not to escape i have been thinking of it peter and i have come to a resolution that we can manage it better he is certain to come again in an hour or two it is only eleven now i'll play him a trick o'brien then took one of the blankets made it fast to the window which he left wide open and at the same time disarranged the images he had made up so as to let the gendarme perceive that they were counterfeit we again crept under the bed and as o'brien foretold in about an hour more the gendarme returned our lamp was still burning but he had a light of his own he looked at the beds perceived at once that he had been duped went to the open window and then exclaimed sacre dieu il m'en échappe et je ne suis plus corpore foutre à la chasse he rushed out of the room and in a few minutes afterwards we heard him open the street door and go away that will do peter said o'brien laughing now we'll be off also although there's no great hurry o'brien then resumed his dress of the gendarme and about an hour afterwards we went down and wishing the hostess all happiness quitted the cabaret returning the same road by which we had come now peter said o'brien we're in a bit of a puzzle this dress won't do any more still there's a respectability about it which will not allow me to put it off till the last moment we walked on till daylight when we hid ourselves in a copse of trees our money was not exhausted as i had drawn upon my father for sixty pounds which with the disadvantageous exchange had given me fifty napoleons on the fifth day being then six days from the forest of ardennes we hid ourselves in a small wood 
about a quarter of a mile from the road i remained there while o'brien as a gendarme went to obtain provisions as usual i looked out for the best shelter during his absence and what was my horror at falling in with a man and a woman who lay dead in the snow having evidently perished from the inclemency of the weather just as i discovered them o'brien returned and i told him he went with me to view the bodies they were dressed in a strange attire ribbons pinned upon their clothes and two pairs of very high stilts lying by their sides o'brien surveyed them and then said pater this is the very best thing that could have happened to us we may now walk through france without soiling our feet with the cursed country how do you mean i mean said he that these are the people that we met near montpelier who came from the lands walking about on their stilts for the amusement of others to obtain money in their own country they are obliged to walk so now pater it appears to me that the man's clothes will fit me and the girl's poor creature how pretty she looks cold in death will fit you all we have to do is practice a little and then away we start o'brien then with some difficulty pulled off the man's jacket and trousers and having so done buried him in the snow the poor girl was despoiled of her gown and upper petticoat with every decency and also buried we collected the clothes and stilts and removed to another quarter where we pitched upon a hovel and took our meal pater said o'brien lie down and sleep and i'll keep the watch not a word i will have it down at once i did so and in a very few minutes was fast asleep for i was worn out with cold and fatigue just as the day broke o'brien roused me he had stood sentry all night and looked very haggard o'brien you're ill said i not a bit but i've emptied the brandy flask and that's a bad job however it is to be remedied i did not go to sleep again for some time i was so anxious to see o'brien fast asleep he went in and out several times during which i pretended to be fast asleep at last it rained in torrents and then he laid down and in a few minutes overpowered by nature he fell fast asleep snoring so loudly that i was afraid some one would hear us i then got up and watched occasionally lying down and slumbering a while and then going down to the door End of chapter 22